Hear the word of God from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version, but you can find it in your pew Bible on page 812. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. So, how did we get here today? I don't mean physically. I suppose most of us got here in a car. I mean, how did we get here as a Christian? What has impacted each of our lives to be seated here in a pew in a church this morning? That question probably causes many thoughts to come in your mind. Parents, relatives, friends, pastors, youth directors, people that helped us build our walk with Christ. I have lots of those. They're my personal evangelists. It's hard to think of my mother as my first evangelist, but she is. She is, has dedicated all of my life to make a disciple of Jesus Christ out of me. She's still at it at age 90. <laughs> my mother has also shared with me the stories of the people that caused the faith impact on her life and her faith. I'm sure you have lots of them too your own personal evangelist. How about those who evangelized your evangelist? If you could start counting back like that, you will find yourself at the end of a chain of evangelical missions that go all the way back to the first apostles. The author, Alex Haley, said, if you see a turtle on a fence post, You know he had help. I had help. And I'm sure that you realize that you had help too. When I think of how I got here as a Christian, I ask myself, am I a disciple of Christ? Am I an evangelist too? How important is it to ask ourselves this question? Webster's Dictionary defines a disciple as someone who accepts and helps to spread the teachings of a famous person. Note the verb, accepts and helps. Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you an evangelist? Jesus gave us one specific task, one commission. Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. The one thing he so specifically told us to do 
is to be evangelist. If we are to be obedient Christians, shouldn't we want to do the one thing that Jesus asked us so directly? It's not about earning salvation. We all know that we can't earn what is given through grace. We don't have to work at continuous activities to get salvation any more than we had to work for our parents to love us. Obedience is part of loving God. The way, as children, we loved our parents by being obedient. In all fairness, I got an extra dose of the evangelism mandate. I'm such a product of evangelical missions that I can't even tell my life story without talking about real missions that formed my life. My parents, my uncles, my elder cousins, my entire hometown of Cardenas, Cuba, was evangelized by a mission school. It started after the Spanish-American War, and when it was shut down, when I was in its kindergarten class in 1961, it had over 2,000 students. My parents tell me that they, how they started every day at school. They gathered outside of the sanctuary, and the doors would open, and the entire student body would march in singing Onward Christian Soldier. They would get a, a, a sermon, the announcements of the day, and go off to class. But they started every day in church. Those children in that school evangelized an entire town. Then later, when my family came to Cuba, my, came from Cuba, my parents were founders of a congregation of Cuban refugees here in Tampa that was funded by the Florida Conference. We were all too poor to sustain a church, so we were funded as a mission by the Florida Conference. I grew up in a mission church. I was 15 years old before that little church was able to economically sustain itself. Later, I worked my way through college, graduating from USF without any student debt, but without the means to pay for law school. I was praying for the Lord to provide a path by which I could fund my graduate studies. Then one day, the summer after I graduated, I was asked to serve on a panel of Cuban-American college students to meet with a delegation of the Board of Global Ministries that was here visiting from New York. After the meeting, the board members approached me with my pastor in tow and strongly urged me to apply for the Crusade Scholarship of the Methodist Church. The Crusade Scholarship is still around today. It's a scholarship that is designed to develop leaders, lay leaders, in the Methodist Church among Hispanic communities. I was awarded a Crusade Scholarship, and I went all through law school with my tuition and books fully paid as a Crusade Scholar. I have prayed through all those years that I have been worthy of whatever those board members might have seen in me that day. So it's not hard to see why I am so committed to missions and evangelism. 
My family and entire town was evangelized by a mission school. I grew up in a mission church, and I was put through law school on a Methodist missionary scholarship. I'm a grateful son of God and a grateful product of Methodist missions. I feel compelled to witness my story and to pay it forward by my own evangelical efforts. However, as I've matured in my faith, I have come to understand that we all have an obligation to evangelism, that it's, it's all much deeper than my own personal gratitude to those missions that have helped to form my life. We all have an evangelical obligation to Christ, who told us to go do this one thing. Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. This is commonly called the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28 that we heard today, verse 18 through 20, Christ said, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Luke chapter 24, verse 47, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in God's name to all nations. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The apostles went to the ends of the earth as the original evangelists. The apostles and those fortunate in in, in Palestine at the time, they got to hear Jesus Christ directly, were converted directly by Jesus Christ. The rest of us Christians, we're, we're only Christians because we have been evangelized somehow by this long legacy of obedient followers of the Great Commission. For more than 2,000 years, Christians like us have been obedient in doing this thing that rep, that's represented in this yellow book. There's been an uninterrupted chain of evangelists for 2,000 years that accounts for why we are sitting in church today. Paul, the Apostle, St. James, St. Patrick, John Wesley, Billy Graham are but a few of the giant links in that chain of evangelists. It's as if Jesus has reached through the ages for 2,000 years to reach out to touch our hearts through this chain of people. Today, we're those people. Today, we're the most recent, latest link, creating the links for tomorrow. While your personal story may not be as obvious or dramatic a product of missions as mine, you too are a product, product of evangelist. Somebody brought the good news to you. Are we grateful to Christ and to the countless thousands who have followed the one mandate to the end of the earth to bring Christianity to our lives today? Are we as obedient to the Great Commission as we should be? I'm here to tell you with great confidence that you are a very obedient evangelical church, Hyde Park. 
I know firsthand. Having served on your mission and outreach committee for some 16 years, I have seen countless saints of this church toiling in the mission field. I have seen years of plenty where unexpected large donations showed up and we had to scamper to figure out how to spend the funds. And I've been with our missions committee on lean years, praying that enough donations would show up so that we could sustain our commitments in this book. You've always found a way to provide so that we have never had to cut any funding commitments for lack of resources. You've never wavered in your commitment to missions. Recently, in preparing uh, to, to form a new study on international missions here, I've been visiting Methodist church websites all over the world, throughout the United States, Canada, England. I can tell you that I can find no other church that has as many diverse missions as Hyde Park. There are certainly churches that contribute more money, but they don't try to pull off 56 missions. You'll see five or six, a handful. Some of the bigger ones may find, you may find seven or eight, nine missions. But nobody have I found pulls off 56 missions and have done it for so many, so many years. You've been busy, obedient, generous in your obligation to the Great Commission. We publish this yellow book not to boast beyond those doors. We publish it as stewards for what you do and what you give. And also to inform you so that you understand the lives that we're touching throughout Tampa, Florida, the United States, and the world. I would be remiss if I didn't point out that uh, we couldn't do this without, without the outstanding leadership of Vicki Walker and our Mission Outreach Committee that worked so hard at this. Evangelism is not just about being obedient to the Great Commission. It's also a very pure expression of faith. The mission field requires a lot of faith. We give or serve and then blindly trust the outcome to God and what he will make of it. The faith required of evangelists goes counter to our human instincts. In our instant gratification world, we want immediate results. It's not the way it often works in the mission field. We, we, the products of what we give is often only seen by God and only on His time. My favorite mission story is that of a boy who was enrolled in a mission school in South Africa over 90 years ago. He attended Methodist schools from elementary to high school and beginning of college. That boy grew up to be a great champion of his people in the struggle against apartheid. He served 30 years of political prison without becoming embittered, 
When he was released and soon thereafter became president of South Africa, Nelson Mandela did not succumb to the temptation of hatred and vengeance. Instead, he gave the world its greatest example of Christian forgiveness and governance. Bishop Desmond Tutu named his book about Mandela's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, No Future Without Forgiveness. Mandela rescued the future of his people and his country through what can only be explained as Christian forgiveness. Were it not for those mission schools that Nelson Mandela grew up in and was formed as a Christian in, there would not have been the forgiveness that saved South Africa from perpetual conflict and hatred. Without those mission schools, Nelson Mandela would not have given the world its greatest Christian example in governance in the history of mankind. I love to tell the Mandela mission story, and I repeat it to myself as a reminder of why I trust God so much. Whenever I get fatigued in managing the 14 mission projects in communist Cuba, For Hyde Park, I think of Nelson Mandela as a child, attending a Methodist school in South Africa so many years ago. When I get frustrated because the results are not as immediate as I would wish, I think of the Westland Methodist Missionary Society of Great Britain that funded those schools, sending their money and missionaries to teach and minister to little Nelson. They could never have known that God would spend the next 70 years working with and molding their trusting gifts. They could not have imagined that their work and their gifts would help God form the heart and the mind of the man who would save his country and give us such a marvelous example of Christian governance. They sent, they served, they gave while trusting God would do something good with it. Those Methodist mission leaders in England surely all died without even knowing the name of Nelson Mandela. They were simply obedient, trusting, and faithful to Christ's mandate of the Great Commission. They were faithful because trust is the purest form of faith. How many future Mandelas might God be lifting up with our gifts and our works in Nicaragua, Cuba, Brazil, Estonia, South Africa, Good Samaritan Mission, Metropolitan Ministries. We don't need to know their names. Hyde Park, keep serving, keep going, keep giving, and trusting God with your service. You are already doing a great job in missions. Keep helping God make disciples of all nations to the ends of the earth. Metropolitan Ministries tells us that people forget about donating toddler toys. So years ago, my wife Dreema and I decided that we were gonna go shopping for toddler toys. They're very inexpensive at big lots or dollar stores, two to three dollars a piece. So a few years ago, I took my seven-year-old nephew shopping for these toddler toys. Now, he understood that we were shopping for poor children, 
But how do you control a seven-year-old boy when you take him into the toy department and tell him he can fill a cart to the top with toys? He was grabbing them off the shelves and throwing them in there like a wild man. So I, I stopped him. And I, and, I, and I told him, you need to prayerfully choose the toys. I told him that he had to lovingly touch each toy with his heart as well as his hands. And to think of these less fortunate children that would receive it so that his love would go with each toy. Therefore, I mean, thereafter, he, he picked up each toy more deliberately and I caught him pressing his eyes as he would place them in the cart in prayer. But I don't think he, he was the one that learned that, less, that Christmas lesson the best because I can tell you that from that day forward, I have been more deliberate at loving those that I might serve. For some of us, it's all too easy to just write the check from our overabundance. Every year you write the check or serve in your own way, but often few of us stop to visit and touch the missions that are represented in the Harnish Activity Center. Last week, McGray reminded us by emphasizing that the Good Samaritan drew near to the man on the side of the road before serving him. I urge you to draw near to your mission projects represented in the Harness Activity Center this morning. If you're interested in hearing more about, learning more about international missions, look out for an announcement for a class that we're hoping to form here starting in January. But before I close us in prayer, I'm going to add something that I hadn't thought about until this morning. There's a terrible hurricane, Matthew, headed toward Jamaica and Cuba. It's headed right at the eastern part of Cuba where we have all our mission churches. The, the Tampa area is sistered with that eastern part of Cuba with 44 churches. And all the Methodist churches of Tampa are, are teamed with, with those those churches, and they're going to get hit really hard. The first mission project that I got involved in here 16 years ago was a sister church that we have through that program in the small village of Guanito, Cuba, in that region. And soon after we had started that project and had sent our first mission trip there, a terrible storm rode in and blew that little wooden church away. A few days later, we received a photograph. All that was left were the foundation stones of that wooden church. And the photograph of a pulpit, much like this one, jammed against the cornerstones of those foundations, upright, with the emblem of the Methodist church still in view of the photograph. That picture came in, and our mission committee, we all looked at each other, and we said, God's telling us that we need to build a church there and it needs to sustain the winds of the next hurricane. So you did. Hyde Park, you built first a, a, a parsonage made out of concrete block and a concrete roof. And then they don't let us build official churches, so we build garages. In this case, some of you have been there. The village, there isn't one car. 
We have a six-car garage <laughs> that serves as the sanctuary. It's made out of concrete, and the roof is poured concrete. And as I ask you to join me in praying for our brothers and sisters there and throughout Jamaica and Cuba in this storm, I can't help but think that in that storm to come the next few days, that our garage sanctuary and parsonage are going to be the sanctuary fallout shelter, so to speak, for that entire village, because it is the strongest building in that town. And you built it, Hyde Park. These are some of the real ways that, that, we, that we touch the world with our gifts and we evangelize and we teach the love and the word and the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we praise you. You are good to us and you are good to others through us. Keep leading us to serve your purpose for your glory. Continue to burn in us the flame of generosity, love for you, and love for one another. Grow our trust in you so that we might draw near to serve. Continue to protect us and light our path as we go to the ends of the earth in your purpose of making disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Hyde Park, of all you do. Draw near to the Harness Activity Center and get to know your missions.